Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Well, welcome to another episode of Freedom Rings. I have to tell you, doing this podcast is something that our team has really come to enjoy because we're getting to introduce you to such interesting people who are also dedicated to the cause of freedom. And today's guest is absolutely no exception at all. Representative-elect Nancy Mace. And she is one of these fabulous conservative women who has flipped a seat from Democrat to Republican. And she's from South Carolina. She is going to be coming to Congress in a historic class of Republican women. And I am absolutely so thrilled, Nancy, that you are joining us. You're the first of this new breed of conservative woman to join us for Freedom Rings. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a true honor to be with you. You supported me in my election in a huge, huge way. And uh, I'm just so grateful for your support and everyone that came out of the woodworks to help us flip this seat back. Well, you have done a phenomenal job. The right candidate at the right Mm -hmm. time who was willing to work hard and really proved that conservative women are, I tell you, we are so principled. We get beat up so much in the media. We know what we stand for and what we're about, and we have no trouble defending it. And certainly you proved that in your race. It was amazing to watch your numbers and to watch you close that gap and then to move ahead. One of the things I think really added to your appeal, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons <laughs> the voters just really locked into your story or into you as a candidate is because of your story. Mm-hmm. And you started waitressing at Waffle House. My One of my very first jobs. I actually dropped out of school. I dropped out of high school when I was a junior, right after I had turned 17. And I'm the daughter of a retired Army general and a retired school teacher. In fact, my mom taught at my high school. How embarrassing was that? But I dropped out of school. And my parents said, well, if you're going to stop going to school, and you're going to live under our roof, then you're going to live under our rules and you're going to start going to work. And my first job was as a waitress at the Waffle House in a very small town in South Carolina on the side, off the side of an interstate. And I used to stand on a piece of duct tape about a foot wide and I would yell the cooks in the back how my customers wanted their hash browns. That's where it all started. (laughs) And the lesson you learned from that was? Well, I learned about the value of hard work because during that I had some tough times and I learned some very, very tough lessons during those times. And I learned most importantly about the value of hard work. And I eventually went on to get my high school diploma by taking courses at a local college um, right up the road from where I grew up. And uh, I would have never finished if I hadn't had that opportunity. Back in those days, it was unheard of. But now a lot of schools have dual enrollment. And I was one of those kids that, you know, really benefited from the opportunity to do that. But um, when I when we announced our victory a week ago uh, last Wednesday, um, we did it in the parking lot of the Waffle House where I worked, right where I got started. I wanted to, to, to finish that speech off in the place where all of this started 25 years ago. That's great. And yeah. then after you finished high school, mm-hmm. <clears throat> pardon me, then to the Citadel. 
Right. So in the summer of 1996, in June of 96, there was a, a Supreme Court case that was decided. And Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg wrote the majority opinion on a case against VMI, the Virginia Military Institute, that said if you were a state-funded or government-funded institution of higher learning, college or university, you could not discriminate based on gender. Well, that very same day that the majority opinion <clears throat> came out and the ruling was public, the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, decided to follow suit, and they opened their doors to women. And I remember watching this on the news. I was a news junkie, and I watched the news every night in those days, and I remember seeing the Citadel come onto the television and saying that they were going to admit women and they were going to do it immediately and this is the end of almost the end of the summer in June late June of 96 and I remember calling in sick the next day to work and I got in my car and I drove 19 miles to the campus of the Citadel and picked up what was I think a one-page front and back paper application back in those days we didn't really have much in the way of internet or word documents back then it was all so new yeah. but um and I remember scribbling out my responses and turning it in on that Friday. And by Monday, they called me to say I'd been accepted. It was quick, quick, quick. But my dad, my father is a graduate of the Citadel and um, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And I didn't go there to be the first woman to graduate from the Citadel, but I went there because I had something to prove to myself and to prove to my parents and my family that I could go to a place that I could be challenged, that I could face adversity, that I could face an obstacle unlike anything I'd ever faced before, and I wouldn't quit, and I wouldn't give up. So for me, it was very personal that I had to go on this journey to prove something to myself, that I could make it. So standing on your principles yeah. and focusing on achieving something, you mm -hmm. broke a barrier without realizing yeah. you were breaking that barrier. Right without an intention to break that barrier. Right. And it, it's unfortunate, you know, and looking at, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure in a few minutes, but Democratic women, Democratic women don't hold a monopoly on breaking glass ceilings. You've done it all your life. I've done it all my life. Republican women have do, been doing it. We've been breaking barriers uh, all of our lives. And so, um, you know, to, to do that, have that kind of accomplishment, but learning a lot of lessons in the process, because I was very young, obviously, being in college. But the two things I took away from that experience was having courage, the courage to speak up for yourself, but also having the courage to speak up for others and to give a voice to the voiceless to those that don't have one, regardless of the consequences or the outcomes or the repercussions in some cases. But I also learned the value and importance of having confidence, because if we don't believe in ourselves, then no one will believe in us. That's true in business. That's true in politics when you're running for office. And I got to tell you right now in COVID-19, that's true in parenting, <laughs> as my children are unable to go back to school in person, and we're doing internet and virtual school and making sure that they're doing what they need to do to be successful, having that confidence to, to go to them every single day and make sure that check in on them and make sure they're doing what they need to do. Yes. So what has given you that desire to serve? Where does that come from? Um, because you have yeah. had that in your military service and your state legislative service, right. and now you're bringing it to Congress. Right. Well, when I graduated from the Citadel, I didn't go into the service, So, but I come from a family of service military. I'm a thorn among the roses. I'm one of the only ones that did not serve because back in those days, uh, if you had ADD or took medication for it, you weren't able to get a commission. I'm sure it's come a long way since then, uh, more of the norm now than ever before. But my father served for 28 years in the military, had three tours of combat. And he is today the, the 
most decorated living graduate of the Citadel. But I've been in business for 21 years um, and have worked extremely hard to uh, to be successful in that. And um, in, being in business and politics, I think that in 2008, I was pregnant with my second child and I had my son. He was two, two and a half years old. And I wanted to be at home with my kids. That was important, but also wanted to help with some of the bills that we had, put food on the table. And so I wanted to work too, because I knew as a woman, you, if you stepped out of the workplace to raise your kids, by the time you wanted to go back five, 10, 15 years later, you'd be penalized because you didn't have the skills uh, to stay current. And so I started my own company at that time. And I was able to, to work from home and then also be in business and continue my career. And one of my clients, I was in the business to business public relations space, but I met now Senator Tim Scott and former uh, House member Mick Mulvaney. And I helped them on their campaigns doing communications work, built their websites and social media was still very new at the time and helped them do all that communications. But I was inspired by uh, Senator Scott and Mick Mulvaney. And I said, wait a minute, this is interesting to me. And politics and serving the community where I grew up gives me purpose and drive. And I love it. And um, I'm obsessed with helping people. And the opportunity in the last three years to serve in the state legislature, I've learned so much in a very short period of time. And while I am fiscally conservative, I've also accomplished a lot in a very short period of time. And that just drives me because the low country, the region where this district is, South Carolina's first congressional district, a place where I grew up, a place where I call home, has given me so much opportunity. It's a way for me to give back to that same community. Oh, that is fantastic. And when it comes to issues, mm-hmm. where are you going to put your focus Everywhere I can. I'm a small parts make a big difference. I'm very passionate being in business. I'm passionate about small business issues. This district, more than half of all new jobs come from small businesses. And so our unemployment rate right now is about 5.1%, three points below the national average, which is great. But previous to COVID-19, we were at 1.86, one of the lowest in the nation. And so finding ways that we can safely protecting people's health and safety uh, continue to grow our economy, support small businesses, get them the PPP that, that they need, getting another round of stimulus to do that, um, and ensuring they have access to all the resources they can to be successful. Um, healthcare is another big one and um, that, that folks are worried about, ensuring that we protect people with pre-existing conditions, whether Obamacare is repealed or not, and having an alternative uh, in place is important. Infrastructure, roads and bridges, uh, Charleston's port, provides over $52 billion in economic revenue to the state and to the Eastern Seaboard. It's one of the largest ports. And uh, this is a different district. It's coastal. It's We're on the beaches. And uh, environmental issues are very important, too. So when the president um, signed that 10-year ban or moratorium on offshore drilling off South Carolina's coast, that was a huge win for us. And I want to continue in that same spirit and, 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 and try to make that ban permanent. That is wonderful to hear. Tell me a little bit about uh, your pursuit of freedom and what that means to you. Because on this podcast, Mm -hmm. we really focus on keeping freedom free, uh, if you will, and passing it on to the next generation. I know that's important to you because of your children. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, that impact. Well, it's important. And, you know, and I look back at, you know, I grew up in the era of Reagan. 
and who often fought and, and talked and communicated about ensuring our freedom for future generations. Right. And there is a tipping point at, at some point um, where you can't turn back if we lose those freedoms. And you know, and looking at, I'm 42 years old and, and growing up in the era of Reagan and watching what's happened over the last few decades and understanding that the conservative position, the pro-freedom position, pro-liberty, less government uh, is more, is better. Um, understanding that um, going forward in that our future is dependent upon it. When we have greater freedom, we have greater access, lower taxes. Our businesses can operate uh, in a much more successful way. I look at, for example, um, previous to COVID-19, if you were working at a fast food franchise, um, because of the President's Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, because of that reduction in taxes, people were making $15 an hour entry level and about to get a raise to $20 an hour. But I want to look at the future for my kids and our country. And I look at where we're at, this crossroads that we're at right now. That's why this election is so important, why why so many people on both sides, they all came out, but Republicans came out. The untold story is the red wave that happened where people want to protect our freedoms. They don't want higher taxes. They don't want socialized medicine. They don't want the Green New Deal. That's going to take away so much freedom and liberty and, and punish our businesses that have been so successful. Um, but we've got to continue that, not just for our kids, but for our country and for my future grandchildren one day that I hope to have to preserve that. Because when America is free, America is prosperous, America is strong. And when America is strong, the rest of the world is dependent upon our strength. And so uh, it's incredibly important uh, that we remember that. Well, I, I think you're exactly right, and mm-hmm. I totally agree with you on that. You know, as you said, Reagan always said, we don't pass it along in the bloodstream. Yeah. Every yeah. generation has to fight for freedom mm-hmm. in order to pass it on, and it is vitally important in order for people to achieve their dreams yeah. and their goals. No, 100%. And that was that's one of my favorite quotes from Reagan. I was trying, what was that quote again? But, uh, but he was just a remarkable orator, and he communicated in such a way. And I think as Republicans, too, and I think about where our positions are, our conservative uh, positions, we are not, the conservative position is the compassionate position. We just don't do a very good job of explaining it or communicating it to people. And that's got to change. And I think that's what we saw this year with the record number of Republican women that were running and and winning. We won over suburban moms. We were able to do that by communicating that the conservative uh, posture was the compassionate posture. And I've done things as a Republican that, you know, you hear Democrats only talking about. I passed a law in into I passed a bill into law this year in the middle of COVID related to, to prison reform, mm-hmm. you know, and it was the right call, it was the right thing to do. And every single Democrat and every single Republican voted for that measure in favor of it. So when you articulate it in a way that people understand and can get, uh, you make enormous gains. And we saw that this year. Well, that is very true. Yeah. And it is the fact that conservative women are able to articulate what it means to them yeah. to have opportunity, what it means to have hope. Yeah. And everyone relates to that. And we want you, to preserve that American dream. Absolutely. Right? I mean, that's what this yes. is all about, right? You have a dream, you work hard, you can achieve it. That's right. There is no such thing as a failed test because it helps us all get on our road. We learn something from every single thing that happens. And it helps us to work toward being a more perfect 
union for each and every person to have that equal access to opportunity. So, well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you all. Uh, Another episode of Freedom Rings. Keep your eyes on Nancy Mace, representative-elect from South Carolina. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings, executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Ring.